0: This week's episode is dedicated to Denny O'Neill. Hey DC fans, uh, it's Gary from Burton's Comics. Um, <laughs> I just want to let you know that uh, Burton's Comics is open and ready to serve you in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, down 725 Park Street East. Coming for some deals on the weekend. Thanks. Go.
1: Oh, hey, it's me. Yeah, that's me. I'm being given the same. Gathered together from the lengthy distances of Ontario are the most powerful forces of commentary ever assembled. The Mai is able to climb individual stairs with a single bound, only to become frightful three steps in and call the Coast Guard for assistance. The Little One, the ability to judge your pink, favorite Pink Floyd songs with pinpoint accuracy. And of course, the two-time, two-time commentator of the year himself. He who looks upon the moon only for every other variation of the cosmos to explode in clowny J. And how are you today, my friend?
0: I am quite excellent, sir, and how are you?
1: Oh, I can't complain. You know, I thought I just said, you know, develop a little bit of a char- characteristic setup. I'm super excited about the review we got for right now. Is not only did I go through the premise of the movie, I reread the comic over again as well. Like actually went over it even a couple times just to double check on a couple of things. And um, I'm just, uh, it just got me overall super excited for even like a lot of uh, the newer like pulls that I've gotten. I mean, I went a little nuts on it. I've gotten like a good stack of them this time around, and I'm still looking forward to getting even more books. Um, That's pretty much the highlight of things right now, aside from, you know, the usual, um, you know, being considerate, staying safe and healthy. um, the works, you
0: know? Perfect. And little one, how are you this evening? I'm all right. Just all right? Yeah. All right. There there we go. (laughs) Uh, A woman of few words on the pod, as we all know. (laughs) Marvelous. So let's jump into some news. Um, of course, the comics world was hit hard this week uh, with the loss of one Denny O'Neill.
1: Denny set um, like a huge milestone in regards to character development, storytelling, and uh, just overall imagination, as he brought new promise and new life to such um, such mainstream figures as you know, like Batman, Superman, Green Arrow. Uh, Green Lantern as well especially and uh, it's just brought up a whole new uh, format of perspective much like Chris Claremont did with the X-Men but uh, of course he's pretty much like a the DC guy for that Um but he's a distilled heart and uh, he will be missed by many and it's very unfortunate that he's no longer with us at this time so whenever you can if you happen to be floating around a bookstore uh, a website where you can buy graphic novels you know uh, pick up some stories with his involvement in them, you know, really relive that gold and silver age of comic books, you know, uh, just to really get the celebration of his life in there.
0: Yeah, some of the work, uh, if people want to look up uh, some great stories, great characters by him, uh, he was responsible for most of the run, if not all of it, on the Green Arrow, Green Lantern team up book, the Oliver Queen, Hell Jordan stories. That really, you know, solidified a lot of what we know of both characters now with their political ideals, the dichotomy between the two characters. One guy's a military pilot, the other man being a freedom fighter at the time, uh, and how those ideals clashed against each other, which uh, I even reposted a panel this week after he passed where Hal Jordan is confronted by an African-American saying, you know, you work for people with blue skin. You're saving people with orange skin. What have you done for the black man on earth? And even Hal Jordan just has to stop and think to himself, what have I done to help these people? Uh, from there, of course, Danny O'Neill also created Jon Stewart. Uh, the that- Green Lantern White- is also black, yeah. Yeah,
1: which has been absolutely nothing short of, um, you know, overall great, like just miraculous work for future storytelling and character development. Not only is he a black man, but he's also um, like a Marine, a huge army fella, and also being one of the members of the Green Lantern Corps and also a very reputable face among the Justice League, the Justice League of America, and just anywhere you can find a DC superhero, really, uh, especially in uh, the. Bruce Timm and Paul Dini Justice League cartoons stretching into Unlimited as well. Very hard-hitting presence there. I really enjoyed them.
0: Yeah, the run of Jon Stewart on Justice League Unlimited uh, for a lot of people is the defining Green Lantern. Uh, for them, you know, Jon Stewart is their Green Lantern, and that's because they fell in love with the comics and the character through that cartoon. Uh, other oh, people sure. he created, uh, Bronze Tiger was one of his creations, Hank Hall was his. Uh, Razal Ghoul was one of his.
1: Wow. That's absolutely huge. Those are, again, more monumental faces among the DC universe that have just given us such a huge impact in uh, our time of recreationally reading um, detective comics, like just overwhelmingly well renowned stories.
0: Oh, if you want some fun, uh, Denny O'Neill. Uh, he did a great run on the question as well. That I highly suggest to anybody who wants to look into that character. Look up the O'Neill run. Uh, he does a great job with the question.
1: Absolutely. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be talking about like the best question comics, like by all means, enjoy Renee Montoya all you like. But she's not going to you know stand to the image that was given to us uh, when the question was Victor's. Uh, Victor Sage, I'm pretty sure his name was. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. So mean, besides
0: that, have, uh, have you caught up on Stargirl
1: Oh man, have I ever caught up on Star Girl? It just yes. keeps, like it just keeps getting so much better. You know, I thought that okay, I saw Grundy. Unless I see him again, I don't know how much farther this is going to go for me. And then all of a sudden, Cobra. not just that, Cobra
0: let's talk that hall of justice scene and all those Easter eggs and what it could mean uh, you and I speculating for the future.
1: Well, uh, for one, seeing the actual lantern in the recent episode was uh, just uh, a hard hitter for me. And the fact that they uh, are acknowledging Alan Scott as the green lantern for this is going to be just great for the series. Uh, I can only imagine that they're going to want somebody else to dawn on the ring. Um, you know, for future seasons or even this season I couldn't really care because it's just off to such a great start and I have not been as much of a fan of Luke Wilson since uh, Ridiculous 6 came out that like a uh, strange uh, cowboy comedy on uh, Netflix that um I think it was Happy Madison uh, made up.
0: Yeah, uh, right now we are in the midst of re-watching that 70s show, and we just finished the arc where Donna finished dating uh, Casey Kelso, who is also played by Luke Wilson. We kept calling him Stripesy. Yeah, the entire time we're calling him Stripesy because, you know, he's playing a young guy in the 70s, which kind of fits up with the time stream.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: He's talking about fixing up his car and shit. And I'm like, see, see, it all works out. It's all canon to me now.
1: Well, that's absolutely fantastic. After he couldn't fit in with Topher Grace, he went and became a sidekick. If that are, if if those aren't life goals, excuse me. um, I just cannot fathom what would be.
0: Now they did say in an interview that the Green Lantern from uh Stargirl will lead to a story arc somewhere down the line. So expect that to be played up. But I want to know if you caught the uh the double Easter egg for Johnny Thunder going on. Uh for both Jakim and That's what I want to talk to you about.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure right. of the second one for uh, Johnny Thunder, and I may have missed over it, or I'm just not remembering it right away, but uh, I caught the whole Jakeem thing was huge. I, I love Jakeem. He's awesome.
0: The the first one itself would have been the giggling pen in itself and throwing it into just a goddamn pencil holder like it's absolutely nothing because she couldn't get it to do anything. But when her uh, stepbrother Michael mentioned his friend Jakeem wanted to come over for dinner, I almost lost my shit.
1: Yeah, the, it was a, It was a very subtle way to add him in there. The pen was just kind of a, a giveaway on its own there when it did its thing into the lap there. At first, I was just thinking of it as a, oh, that's weird. Maybe that's just one of her school pens or something. And she's playing around with it with the rest of the stuff. And I'm like, no, that's not what Thunder's going to be stored in. And then, bang. I'm like, okay. I'm like,
0: all right. Are you, are you being attacked by, like, a lion, tiger, or bear? Oh, my, sir. That was <laughs> oh, no, we gotta get you some kind of recording setup in your home, like even if it's just like sitting under a blanket for soundproofing or something. That
1: was hilarious. Oh, of course, I do. I'm a fucking body, <laughs> Donna boys.
0: No, of course they have said on next week's Star Girl episode it will be called the Justice Society, and they'll be introducing two villains next week. We're gonna get to see Tigress and Sportsmaster.
1: Oh well, that's fantastic. Two more deaths for the show. I cannot wait.
0: So that'll just add to the depth of it. Uh, now, Little One and I actually have a little theory kicking around. Uh, there's the high school bully with the, uh, I call her the rogue hair. Uh, Cindy, I think her name is. Yeah. Now... Yeah, My entire theory is based on teenage slang, and we all know how hip and with it I am with the kids, yo. Oh, my God. You were like the bee's knees. Uh, No, she keeps, uh, you know, uh, being a bitch. She's, you know, she's literally throwing shade with uh, shade being hinted at in that oil painting. Do you think she's related to that character?
1: She's Shades, kid. Come on. I would, you know, it's, uh, it hits too close to home. I would not see why she wouldn't be um, Shade's kid.
0: How perfect of a hint of that would just being a complete bitch to someone and literally throwing Shade, as the kids say, for that to be the payoff at some point?
1: Well, uh, that would honestly leave me speechless. Uh, being able to connect with a younger audience, whereas like um, our kind of uh, audience would look at it and be like, okay, oh, yeah, I guess that's uh, I guess that's a good way of doing it, but it's not really what we expected in the first place. Which is no problem. Um, you know, being hinted at the unexpected when it comes to these shows as of late has been nothing but a, you know a genuine surprise, uh, a pleasant experience, and something to talk about. So I would I would be impressed by it in a in a personal sense. Whereas like okay, they're really just grasping at all the different corners with easy reach.
0: Indeed, and then uh, the last point to that that I make is she's hanging out with the son of Brainwave, so she's already partnering up with Brainwave Junior in the high school.
1: All you need to do is throw, a head, I've known this kids in kindergarten kind of shit, and you're gravy.
0: Uh, I thought it was kind of heavy that they killed off a uh, wizard junior there right away.
1: Oh man. Like that. I stopped everything I was doing. And I'm like, what the, f- this habanero Riverdale bullshit is this? Holy crap. <laughs> like right off the first couple of episodes there. I mean, hero just like, I like them. They're, they're good. They're good. I like them.
0: So let's shift focus just a little bit. Uh, in movie news, they have said that uh, the Flash movie, we should be expecting some news on that sooner rather than later. Uh, of course, we've seen a lot of changes on that. They actually had to re-up the rights for it recently.
1: Oh, well, it's very convenient that, you know, Barry Allen, the fastest man alive, slowest development process.
0: Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Um uh, Besides, I don't think there's much else in movie news. Of course, Wonder Woman 84 got pushed back yet again uh, because of uh, COVID. Uh, besides that, I, I-
1: just want to... Sorry, I just want to give a special shout out to uh, same Power Ranger villain Goldar for being hired on as the stunt double for when she does the armor scene. I mean... You get rid of Repulsa on the phone, and then bang, you got giant Wonder Woman fight. He could easily move Jack Dance in there. No problem.
0: Yo, when that trailer first dropped and they showed her in that armor, I didn't even think that it was the, like, the Themyscira Wonder Armor. My first thought is, why the hell is she dressed like a Thanagarian?
1: I really felt uh Thanagarian familiarity in the helmet there, like, uh... I understand that you know just kind of like the golden eagle aspect of red white and blue the power of a uh, strong feminism of that era really setting the tone but it was a nice uh little switch up to at least give them a shout out if that was their intention you know um the amazons of samascara have met a wide variety of uh different humanoid uh like life forms overall so like advanians uh humans um Meta-humans, and uh, I gather that it goes to, like, off-world and else-world, those kinds of scenarios as well. So um, I imagine we should expect a lot more than just that in regards to, um, you know, image for familiarity. Uh,
0: Especially since uh, what I've heard down the pipeline from the Black Adam movie is uh, his foes in that, of course, will be members of the Justice Society, uh, which means, obviously, the movie is going to start off with Black Adam taking on Hawkman and Hawk Girl, and possibly Nabu as well.
1: Well, you know how c- close uh, Kandak is uh, to you know the whole Egyptian location, time frame, period for uh, Sandagarians,
0: and that'll just make complete sense. You know, you have uh, the power of fate itself, and two gods taking on this magical wizard. From there, that could lead to a a magical lamp being found and the god of speed needing a new avatar. So the movie just kind of writes itself. Uh, Speaking of movies that write itself, have you heard what uh, they're saying about Man of Steel 2 and its possibilities right now?
1: I'd really like to hear this because I have not seen or read anything in regards to that.
0: This is just like within the past few hours I've I've read an article on this. Apparently the studio doesn't believe that Superman can be a financial property as his own character in a standalone setting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do want to add on though. <laughs> Oh, man. They're serious, though.
0: I, I really am. Uh, especially with all the buildup they've had from the first Man of Steel movie until uh, this pre-Shazam world that we live in. And <clears throat> I just want to say it again. Shazam is completely underrated. I fucking love that movie.
1: There should be no reason why anybody wouldn't want to love that movie. It is, uh, even if there are
0: differences to the
1: comics, recent renditions, Golden Age, uh, Silver Age, whatever you want to look at you have to see it as like a fun family film that draws fans into uh, newer, more obscure heroes in regards to the name of the Justice League. I would certainly like to see Zachary Levi one day either, you know, kick their shit out of Steppenwolf or Darkseid, but I don't know how far they'll go with that, but it would just be a nice sight to, to see. But first, I would like to be introduced to him in the cinematic universe. So having that film, as fun as it was, how close it actually was to the 52 rendition of uh, Billy Batson's development in the DC universe. Uh, it's stupid. Good. Like if you haven't seen it, like seriously, go see it um, or sit down in front of your computer, download it, buy it, whatever the case is and just sit at home, watch it. Great movie.
0: For sure. Uh, and some of the Easter eggs and things that they snuck in, like fucking Mr. Mind appears in the post-credit scene for fuck's sake. How fucking cool is that? So uh, is there anything else movie or TV wise that we want to address before we jump into the fun stuff here?
1: Oh, well, um, you did not really think of anything off the bat. Oh, um, because you had made mention, uh, in the previous week that you were the you were pretty much uh, the Mr. Freeze of puns, you know, having that level of puns and everything like that. And then you made a Jim Carrey reference toward my direction. I do want to let you know, in case you haven't seen, um, there are uh, Batman movie, fun- like movie Batman Funkos out, not just that one direct line of Batman, but the alternative, the support characters uh, as well that are in the series. So there is, from my line of sight, when I went to Bigby Comics, um, a Jim Carrey Riddler, a Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face, an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze and an Uma Sermon Poison Ivy, and I lost my mind.
0: Uh, Trust me, those are all on my buying list. And next time, we are actually in Peterborough proper. Uh, We do have a couple of stores that we do want to hit up now that things are starting to be reopened. Uh, We are in more of a stage two than you guys are in Hamilton Dundas, meaning uh, I can get a fucking haircut next week.
1: That's absolutely fantastic to hear, man. Congratulations on your guys' success and uh, well-awareness of the situation. Amongst any of those of you who also happen to be in that area or just overall happen to follow the rules uh, and the guidelines set in order to avoid any um, hysteria, thank you so much for your attentiveness and uh, cooperation in regards to that. It has kept myself my family, your family, others all around you safe. And uh, since we're in the tail end of things, uh, I cannot wait for you guys to go out there and see what the world has been offering to us uh, in the recent pause that we've taken.
0: Uh, Also, we've started looking at new apartments in Peter Roll proper, one of which I actually want to send your way because it's a nice little two-bedroom that we could easily afford. Twelve hundred
1: and sixty cents.
0: So let's jump into the fun stuff proper. Everyone's here to talk about it. Let us jump into Justice League Throne of Atlantis.
1: Justice League Throne of Atlantis um, was an arc of the New 52 rendition of the DC Universe. And it has been one of the most uh, monumental forces to move through modern comic history. And even still to this day, one of the most talked about. Um, The comic, of course, is meant to give more of a hindsight on who Arthur Curry is what new twists and turns have been made for his sake as opposed to characters who may and have already kept like their origins as they were and just progressed forward, uh, so it were.
0: And the movie starts off pretty exciting right away. Uh, You know, we open up, we're on board a submarine, we're getting to know the crew a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, just um, boosting around following signals and uh, you know they just happen to get into some leisurely conversation about uh, one of the one of the guys on the sub just happens to be scoping out a picture of his son you know with a couple of action figures in hand just overall missing his family and they make a crack about you know his dad can't compete with electric like, superman and good times had by all sort of no uh, no sir
0: sir did the same thing bug you about this picture of the kid with the heroes that bugged me
1: How the hell did they get action figures so goddamn fast?
0: Not that because I do believe in mass marketing and it has been about three films. Uh, this is our third film into the series after Flashpoint Paradox so there has been about six months to almost a year's worth of time since mass production could get those out the thing that fucking bugged me about that photo is the cyborg action figure had brown arms meaning he was based off the Teen Titans cyborg from the 1980s And this wasn't a mistake, because later on when it's floating in the water, it's the exact same style. I want you to go back and take a look at that on the film. They have the completely wrong cyborg as the action figure, as that version never existed in this universe.
1: Oh, I was totally fine with the image of it. I mean, I thought it was a nice little callback that they did for it. But uh, given that it's not his, like, active look, um, yeah, it is a little bit like, you know, it seems a little bootleggy.
0: So this sub-officer who works for the military can't even afford the brand name action figures for his kid.
1: You make like thousands of dollars, man. Like, there cannot be that many massage parlors on the way from this lake to that pool.
0: Well, you know what Michael Jordan once said, and that's, fuck them kids. So... <laughs> oh, man. I also said water. Now, for moving on, there's actually something fun that, that was said by one of the officers. I'm not the only one that took a note on this. Uh, little One wrote this down as well, and uh, what was the exact quote there?
1: Not all heroes wear capes.
0: god!
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, they should really look around in the DC universe, because in their case, um, yeah...
0: Well, it's true, though not all heroes wear capes. The only two cape wearers in the Justice League are Shazam and Superman. Batman. What about the firefighters and the uh, first responders? They're all heroes, but they don't wear capes. Well, unless they do, Absolutely. in which case they sort of look that weird at their jobs. <laughs> That's true enough.
1: Don't worry, sir. How many fingers am I holding up?
0: <laughs> Seventeen.
1: Yeah. Another one saved. Yeah, that really doesn't sell all that well. Yeah, I'd stick to just like the uniform coat.
0: Well, from that, uh, you know, the much quoted line, we do see a rendition of what I'll call an iconic attack scene in Aquaman lore, as the same scene takes place in different variations in print, cartoon, and live action. in regards to the attack on the sub by the Atlantean okay.
1: forces. Yeah, it does seem to be, it does seem to be rather familiar on a constant basis. They had uh, to get of course, it out of the way and get them introduced, I guess.
0: Yeah, of course. In the live action film, it's when uh, black Manta is leading the forces against the sub in this. It's just the Atlantean scout troopers.
1: Absolutely and uh, at the at the time of uh, like Black Manta attacks, um, I want to let you guys know that uh, Black manta wasn 't working with uh, Dr. Shin instead he was going about just straight up uh, cuffing bitches and shanking folks and shooting laser things to you all to get uh, Atlantean relics um, so that way they could primarily get their hand on a certain Atlantean staff uh, let them. Um, Well, it was pretty much like the god of of tridents for uh, Atlanteans, whereas, you know, one would um, let you control the wildlife under, the other would let you control, like, the water, the elements, or sorry, the elements, excuse me. And this one here, it pretty much gave you the light and the dark of the ocean, so that monster under the bed, so to speak, and they'll get to more of those guys mentioning them later when they appear.
0: Now, after the sub is attacked by these forces, uh, we do cut to Star Labs, which we do see start going an underhaul, uh, almost a cosmetic facelift on the building as it's being finished. Uh, of course, you can't help but notice that if you add a little more to it, we're starting to look like the Hall of Justice.
1: Absolutely. And uh, we're then introduced to uh, the Justice League's new liaison, in uh, called Steve Trevor. Who is speaking with somebody over the phone? Uh, I'm guessing somebody media based uh, in regards to the name of the team and that they had actually changed it from the Super 7 to the Justice League. And uh, when they tested the name, they claimed that it sold better, but uh, nobody seemed to tell the guy who's making the engravings above the door already, as it would read Super 7.
0: Yeah, Steve Trevor is definitely looking a little disheveled from the last time we saw him in Justice League War. Obviously, the girl he likes has moved on to somebody else. He's been put in charge of this new project. And once again, I can't help but think that this new pissed-off Steve Trevor would have been a perfect setup for a Justice League of America film where the U.S. government yeah. sanctions their own Justice League.
1: Yes. Because in the book of Throat of Atlantis, uh, it's not actually a Justice League story. It is an Aquaman story. Um, But in the book, though, however, at the end of the story, um, they go through that. And uh, they have Waller and Trevor talking about, you know, sanctioning a new team. And lo and behold, that should have given birth to Justice League of America. Even if it was like, you know, you could do like a quick uh, 10-episode series sort of thing based off of the universe there kind of like uh, they did with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the Marvel Marvel movies. It would have been just nice to have them in something more than that brief
0: mention there. Make it like the bonus 15-minute films, like last week's Nightwing vs. Robin.
1: Oh, my God. And the movie can just be about them trying to recruit Green Arrow for it. Like, Green Arrow wants on the main Justice League and everything like that. He keeps trying, and then all of a sudden, closer to the end of it, when things have that bright, happy ending. It's just uh, either Trevor or uh, Wallace coming up to him and saying, hey, fuck these guys, come join our club.
0: Yo, Green Arrow is someone that we're never introduced to in this universe. Neither is someone like Black Canary. Like,
1: what the hell? You could have even done an event Justice League: the marriage of Black Canary and Green Arrow, without introducing them and just introduce them there. I would have been happy because I did know who they are. and It just would have been a nice little killer hint in the the movie. I would have really enjoyed it.
0: Now, speaking of things that they start to set up but never pay off on, uh, we're seen inside of Victor Stone's dream where he's still a full flesh and blood human until he's confronted by his AI, or as we know him as Grid, showing that Grid does have its own thoughts, its own personality. However, this it is something done. that film is never addressed again.
1: Uh no, not a not at least as like a stop developmental thing there, just as it goes along. There's brief mention made of it. Uh, there's brief nods to it as well being utilized as a as a full system, uh, not just, you know, um, a robot that hooks up to the Wi-Fi kind of deal. Um, from there, uh, he's telling him that it's time to wake up, and uh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to leave this dream sequence. I believe he's with um, Doctor Charles uh, Sarah, as he calls it, and they're having the time of their life. And Chris just like, no man, you have to come back. We gotta do superhero stuff. And he's like, no man, I don't want to. I want to stay in here with the boobies. And he's all like, come on, dude. And that was it. He woke up.
0: Uh, From there, we do a quick cut looking over uh, perhaps Greece as we are introduced to what I think is actually the perfect pairing of a couple, and that is Wonder Woman and Superman.
1: Yeah, it's a question that's been asked. uh, You know, it's one of those tales as old as time things, and we finally get it in the New 52's rendition of uh, both Superman and Wonder Woman, still as we find as adults trying to get used to the world around, and Superman, of course, has more experience in regards to uh, well-renowned society and pop culture, whereas Wonder Woman's been living on an island her whole life. And their interactions really help them blend into the environment up until, uh uh-oh, third and fourth wheel come in, just kind of ruin everything. Not before Lois shows up to do the same thing. So like a third, fourth, and fifth wheel.
0: And from there, we are then introduced to one Arthur Curry. Uh, before we talk about him, uh, should we take a quick break? We're at the half-hour mark, and we'll uh, put the Sunset Crypt commercial in here?
1: Absolutely. Uh, right after that, we'll get to the whole introduction of the flashing Green Lantern, uh, all the other guys coming together, and going over to meet Arthur himself. Stay tuned. Do you like horror, sci-fi, superheroes, comics, and adventure? Sunsetcrypt.com has you covered. With reviews and articles. Two associated podcasts. Hot
0: damn! Topics on a ton of bullshit and all geekery grounds with crypt keepers Curtis Sturrock, Steve Brown, and Jeff Smith. Sunsetcrypt.com. Only the reader knows what awaits them. from break, and we are just being introduced to one Arthur Curry at a seaside bar.
1: Before he happens, uh, the Justice League's still gathering together, we get a pretty neat interaction from Cyborg and Billy Batson about, uh, you know, Vic being a total robot ass because he won't bang Dr. Charles. And, uh, well, they clearly have chemistry, of course, and thus, speaking of chemistry, we lead on to Hal Jordan. Uh, trying to pick up a chick's phone number but the only thing he picked up was a note from Barry saying come home sweetie the kids need you and
0: Harry- after this sir uh, I've got a note down about uh, when Barry goes to meet Hal and that comes after the Aquaman bar scene
1: oh no way it doesn't happen at the same
0: time as it though, no sir
1: I thought the uh, same
0: man. Screwed me again. What happens first if we do get that awesome bar scene where Arthur takes on three guys because he was talking to that lobster.
1: Oh man. He that lobster and he they have it out for the world.
0: Uh that is also when we see Dr. Shin taking photos of him.
1: Yeah. Um, He happened to have stumbled upon it at a good time where he was uh, outside, you know, just throwing dudes into the ocean as if that wouldn't be enough proof that he's not human.
0: Uh, And then we get a surefire solidification that this is not our super friends, Arthur, as he straight up murders a motherfucker by dropping the point of his elbow into the base of this guy's skull with an elbow drop on the docks.
1: It's like you could hear the whistle of his elbow say, I will break you.
0: You know, we got blood that shot up from everything. That guy is just down for the count.
1: But you know who isn't dead? Larry's a lobster.
0: That's true. He has returned to the ocean to see another day. Uh, From there, we cut, you know, Vic was going to go alone to check out what was going on at this sub, he didn't want to bring in the Justice League just yet, uh, where he is attacked by these underwater forces. We're not quite sure what it is. Before we cut back to a hungover Arthur returning to his lighthouse, Uh, I thought this was actually great because it actually let us care a little bit about Arthur Curry as it dwelled into his humanity and his loss of his father.
1: Yeah, it was just pretty huge stuff.
0: From there, we get the Justice League starting to assemble, as Vic has now called them in. Uh, Shazam's ha- happy to be there because he gets to skip class. Uh, Barry Allen is is looking around and thinking, for once, he's not late for the meeting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be, cause I would take it that way as well. Uh, the, given it's Barry Allen. I imagine he was more proud of himself than anything.
0: Uh, that's when he realizes he was late, just nobody showed up. And he decides to go make a house call for one Hal Jordan. And the first thing I noticed is he's working at the airbase and he's hitting on someone that isn't Carol Ferris. Well, he didn't
1: have a Carol in the world.
0: From their flash that you're needed back at the headquarters and Hal Jordan responds with the great line. Wait, we have a headquarters.
1: Oh yeah. Not before, of course, uh him promising to disembowel him. I remember that now because I I timed it wrong, but now I know the moments when Hal got the come home sweetie note.
0: Uh, from there, we uh, cut to a date with one Diana Prince and one Clark Kent. Uh, there was a great Easter egg in the background of this. I'm not the only one that saw her.
1: Wonder Girl!
0: As one Cassie Sandsmark can be seen sitting behind them in a Shazam t-shirt. Marking
1: the fuck out. Huh. Well then. Uh, I'll to take a closer look at it. I just saw her as a generic environment, so I didn't stop to take a good look at it. So I'll go back and watch this. You know, uh, you guys also go back and uh, if you happen to enjoy the movie, go back and watch it again. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it anyway and just let us know what you think. Is it Cassie? Is it generic environment? I um, want to hear your take. More than likely, I'm wrong because they like to hide subtle shit in there and that's their, you know, here's your Teen Titans movie you didn't get before Apocalypse
0: War. That is the exact same character model as uh, she is on Young Justice.
1: Man, I like how they do that with a lot of the characters' looks and just personas. It blends very well. And it really connects me to both.
0: Uh, From there, you know, they do. uh, Lois Lane did interrupt that date beforehand, before the Justice League did. Uh, but we do uh, cut to the table, they're all looking around, and lo and behold, the bat's no-showed.
1: Well, of course not. He's a part-timer, remember?
0: And Hal's having none of it. Yeah, Hal <laughs> Jordan is <laughs> having none of it.
1: No, because his date had to be spoiled. He got, like, totally cost locked there
0: uh from there we do get one of my uh great moments that i like in these movies uh normally i complain about them but when they're done with the villains it's done right we are introduced to the scarecrow gang who are the scarecrow gang and who is the scarecrow who the fuck cares you'll never hear of them again
1: which is really unfair because again it's one of those scenarios where we also should have gotten a heavy green lantern tail before apocalypse war
0: not just that, though. We do get more of the fre- of the frenemy chemistry between Hell Jordan and Batman.
1: I'm really digging what they're doing with that because they're really uh, putting back at the whole clashing of personalities.
0: Now, what I like is <laughs> the fact that <laughs> they used the Scarecrow Gang uh, in purpose because. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's in purpose. Okay, I was trying to figure it out. Uh, In purpose of the scenario. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Because exactly what does the Scarecrow deal in? And that's fear. What is the Green Lantern's biggest enemy? And that is Sinestro, who, of course, is fueled by fear.
1: I thought it was wood.
0: (laughs) No, that is Alan Scott, not Hal Jordan.
1: Make up your mind, Jeff Johns.
0: Yeah, I really did enjoy that little bit of an Easter egg for just the Green Lantern mythos is how Jordan is out there fighting fear even in its different forms. That's a
1: good, that's
0: a good synopsis there. Oh, look at that. They're throwing shit in there. That's even going over your head. And of course, in this day and age, uh, I did have to note that, of course, the cop uses a little too much force and leaves all the suspects bloody and unconscious.
1: Just how bloody and unconscious is it?
0: All the bloody and unconscious. Uh, to a point that even Batman has a point when tearing him down, saying, "I didn't need them stopped. I need them. I needed them scared so I could get the information I needed out of these men." But you done fucked up. <laughs>
1: oh well. At any rate, he just kind of hops back in the Batplane. He does his whole by Felicia thing, where he's all about. Next time you want to help, just don't even bother. And that just kind of sets back the tone of how I was this trying to be a cool dude, even though he had every right to be said that one of the guys didn't show because he thought he was better than everyone else.
0: Which then ironically enough, Batman does end up going back to the hall of justice with him as we get what I think is actually one of the coolest scenes that we get in any of these movies. And that's the justice league, not using their might or muscle, but you see each, what each one of them brings in terms of brains and strategy. Uh, of course, Wonder Woman being a warrior. You have Hal Jordan, who's a flight pilot. Batman's a detective. Uh, Cyborg's a living computer. Barry Allen's a forensic specialist. And we see all these people coming together to break down what happened in the sub-attack on Cyborg. And then-
1: then you have like the Superman who's, I can tear your arm off. You can't.
0: So play safe.
1: Oh, oh, stay alert. Stay safe.
0: Uh, This to me is actually one of the coolest scenes that they've ever done in this universe. Uh, It shows the team working as a team in a new way that we don't actually see in any other universe.
1: No, I enjoyed seeing the reality of it. Um, Just the overall intelligible exchange of uh, different um, areas of expertise, I imagine. Uh, So their mode of operations all come into play uh, in regards to strategizing, um, like how they go about investigating it, uh, what kind of people they are investigating and how to find out more about them. It came together so fluently, too, which was really badass. I really enjoyed that uh, just psychological connection they managed to have, like right off the bat, just by being there together. It's a strong symbol of heroism, too. A great uh, way to look at a wide range of teamwork, too. Uh, so that really drew me in.
0: And then from there, we are confirmed that Atlantis is a real place. We do get to see it. And we do meet uh, Orm and Manta for the first time officially in their gear.
1: Absolutely. And uh, at the time, of course, uh, unlike the comic, he is not yet King Orm. Whereas in the comics, um, when Arthur and he reconnect and everything like that, uh, he gets the throne of Atlantis, of course, and then he relinquishes it because he doesn't feel like he's part of the Atlantean people to Orm, making him king of Atlantis us how they enacted uh atlantic warplanes in the story it's a just some fucking fun uh art that they did huge stuff uh, especially coming from aquaman and
0: and we will get to like side theories in a few moments when we get there uh first off i gotta note that i i'm not a fan of the design of mera in this she looks more like artemis from the wonder woman series A little
1: bit, yeah, just uh, in regards to at least how her, when the color scheme was spot on, I thought that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, just the overall design, uh, how it's laid out, seemed uh, too familiar to uh, like a different race on Earth.
0: Yeah, then they never really get into the backstory or explain why Mara is so important to this. It's just, here's Mara, she's important, fuck you, that's why.
1: Yeah. Uh, There was really nothing but uh, her introducing Arthur to Atlantis for the first time. And uh, in the, of course, comic, I hate to refer back to it again, but in the comic, it was actually a previous Atlantean advisor by the name of Volko. Apparently he had been exiled after Arthur relinquished the throne. Something about uh, his meddling and uh, his um, just overall conservatory outlook uh, really bothered them, and they just forced him out. But uh, in the movie, of course, uh, Mira is the one who introduces herself to Arthur and uh, takes, uh, takes him to uh, Atlantis for the first time to meet his mother, who is apparently still alive at this time.
0: And from there, uh, we start to learn that the dark side war had an impact even in in Atlantis as it caused an underwater volcano to go off, killing many Atlanteans, uh, which Orm blames the surface dwellers for, which gives his motivation to want the war.
1: So something that's extremely bothering for this sort of thing, um, Darkseid's war on the planet, it should have had such an impact over, through, and under the waters. Why, why and where the hell was Atlantis to kick their ass back off the earth with the Justice League? What do they have to complain about? They were complacent and just sitting there and doing nothing, and they became casualties of war because of something the surface could not stop themselves.
0: The fuck? <laughs> Yeah, they could have easily joined in and started to defend the planet, uh, which would have settled any and all beef right then and there. But instead, they want to sit to the sidelines and then claim victim after.
1: Do you know what that cost us, Jay?
0: A giant a terrible
1: shark? Terrible price. A giant shark, Jay. A giant shark coming out of the waters and eating a, like baker's dozen. Of fucking parademons out of the sky coming out and eating like a close to like 12, 13 of these demons who are about the size of Solomon fucking Grundy. What? Why?
0: Because uh, King Shark is Shark.
1: Oh, that's a, that's a really good reply. <laughs> it's true. For those of you who are not aware, it uh, has in fact been scientifically proven among marine biologists. They do all concur after their conferences that King Shark is indeed a shark. totally
0: is. Now, after that scene, we are introduced to little Arthur uh, swimming at the pier. Uh, of course, you know, he's got to have the green trunks with the orange trim on them.
1: Of course. And uh, his dad's in the background just, you know, doing what are doing what curry fishermen do doing that curry fisherman stuff. So Arthur takes a swim after his mother and, uh, well, they had that interaction. There's, uh, no way I can really describe it other than, you know, it's just that they knew right off the hop. They knew who each other were. They had that connection. And then, um, they went about their ways from there. Um, and the, In the book, however, though, when this uh, kind of thing had occurred, uh, she had given him a piece of, like, uh, Atlantean royal jewels, and uh, I'm not really sure what came of that after, uh, like, after everything else developed. But, yeah, he goes back to his dad, and he's all about, hey, man, I told you not to go in there with the shit, my dude.
0: But from there, we do see that Manta and Orm are starting to mount their attack. Uh, now the thing that bugs me here is we're told that Atlantis is guarded by magic. They have magic on their side. So how is a hologram around Manta's ship to make it look like a U.S. sub supposed to be effective against magic?
1: It's apparently supposed to be some kind of barrier, a a force field to repel Manta's world from them. But if missiles can be just dropped through it, or even if they weren't impenetrable, There would surely be notice of no surface damage and, um, you know, of course, crashing into something that clearly isn't there is going to give it away. So Of course, they're going to report that back. They're going to get all their meta investigators, uh, all kinds of different heroes and knowledgeables and whatnot. And all of a sudden, they're going to discover it anyway. It's a prolonged amount of time and difference, but it doesn't change the outcome.
0: Yeah, it does start the so, two-pronged attack, uh, one on Atlantis and one on the surface world, as an assassin squad attacks Arthur at the same time as Manta releases these missiles on the Atlantis world.
1: That is fact. And uh, at this time it is when, uh, unfortunately, before he can... Reveal uh, as much information as he would like to to Arthur Curry about his past, his father, um, everything related to what's so unknown about him. He ends up getting uh, killed by these Atlantean guards. Um, I, if you have read the book, though, you'll know that in the, in the comics that's not actually the end of Dr. Shin. But for this sake, he's developed enough character at this point that, you know, we got what's going on. Uh, Anyone who hasn't read it up has has still got what's going on. And they proceed on to have these guys gunning for Arthur um, to put him down. So there's no way that he can come back to the throne. No way he can unite both uh, the underwater and surface worlds together in unity and (laughs) shit.
0: Now, from there, we do see that Arthur's ass is saved by Mara, and she uses one thing that I think would really piss off any modern-day forensic scientist. Uh, she uses darts made of pure water, which then just leak away. So they would look at the wound and be like, okay, so they were stabbed completely through the chest. However, the weapon is completely missing.
1: What if she kills them with their pee? Their pee!
0: Well, it does have a liquid element. She could do that, I guess, if she wanted. Holy shit.
1: Mira superpower is killing people with pee.
0: <laughs> no one tell the Cheeto in chief that we have in the States.
1: Jesus Christ. She's gonna want all our maple syrup.
0: No. If anyone from... tells
1: you the most about maple syrup, it's me. I know the most about it. It's the most I've had the most tremendous maple syrup.
0: Now from there, we do see a little bit more of investigation by the League on what happened. But then we do cut to Mara talking about, you know what, set up a meeting with me in this Justice League and we'll hammer things out. So it looks like Mara herself intended to join up with the League. Uh, Not only that, as the super lantern nerd I am, I have to point out one of the things she said in particular. When this woman in an all-blue outfit, said the line, all is well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, honestly, that phrase just immediately puts the Blue Lantern Corps up in my head. Uh, they have had such a tremendous impact in the DC universe, and I really enjoy their company amongst uh, all the Green Lantern
0: stories they've been a part of. Now, without any fact behind this whatsoever, uh, I believe that, you know, Mara can last for, live for many, many, many years. Uh, I like to believe at one point in her life, maybe she had an interaction with a Blue Lantern, perhaps St. Walker himself, and was inspired Uh, by him.
1: You know, it's like I made mention of earlier on, uh, along like with the Amazons, you know, you never know uh, what race um, of meta or non-meta humanoids uh, happen to meet other ones from throne world or off world there's always that good chance of association especially given all events that have passed through the DC universe so of course uh, any of the Lantern Corps could have passed through and um, you know met, met Atlantis there could still be yellow rings at this time flying to earth trying to find Jonathan Crane who knows
0: but we never see Jonathan Crane again so we don't have to worry about that
1: thanks guys
0: from there, we do get a little bit more of a history on Arthur as Mara explains everything to him. Uh, they are jumped by that same wet work squad as well as members of the Breach, where I thought it was kind of funny that one tried to bite off Arthur's hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, just absolutely hilarious. And, um... <laughs>
0: A nice little tease in itself on something that, uh, you know, we know about as fans, but we never get to see on film.
1: Oh, my God. The fight in the comic between uh, the Atlantean guard, the breach, uh, the trench even, uh, is just an absolute gore fest. And it's so action-packed. Both ends of that fight, uh, both comic and movie, um, have been nothing but phenomenal for what they could give us image-wise for it. It was a lot of fun to read and watch.
0: From there, uh, we are given a quick uh, rundown on who the Breach are by Mara, which I do appreciate because they do play a part in the rest of this movie. It's not just who are the Breach, who the fuck cares. Uh, The Justice League do come in to save their ass as well. Uh, What I liked is the uh, Clark Arthur dynamic where Clark Kent could actually relate his story to Arthur on being a man who's lost his world and would give anything to fight for it. Uh, And here's Arthur being given that exact chance
1: given also as a man who's probably gone through all kinds of variation of an identity crisis as, you know, who is he meant to be? Who is he now? Who was he supposed to be? uh, All different um, stretches of the mind will confuse him and Arthur's going through this. So having uh, Carl be uh, so easily relatable to it will really ease the tension for that for him. And it would explain, you know, just that kind of uh, relativity to each and every one of them that he was able to act and move and operate so swiftly as he did. I thought he just completely jumped into things all fine. You know, if I were just some random dude who found out that his skin was unbreakable, you know, that could have been the extent of it. And I would have still been scared as shit. Be like, oh, no, man, fish people with fish rays. I'm not having any of that shit. And I could have died there. But no, Arthur decided to press on. And, you know, all that relatability starting to come to him has uh, really affected his performance not only as a hero, but as a king and overall as a person as well. So it's uh, done nothing but wonders uh, in regards to uh, his development in this movie.
0: Uh, from there, we see a little act of patricide as in the midst of trying to talk down Orm from wanting to break the Atlantean war protocols out, uh motherfucker just flat out stabs his mom through the chest and murders her.
1: 8 a.m., conference for warplans. 8.30 a.m., blueberry waffles. 8.45 a.m., stab the fuck on a mom. Oh, my God. Like, what kind of, what kind of a son would do that sort of shit all just so he could enact warplanes? Like, why not just go behind her back? What's she going to do in the middle of a fight? Everybody stop killing each other now that you're halfway there. Uh, from there,
0: yeah he does go full ocean master from there getting the full gear and get up
1: um yeah the ocean master actually has tremendous power and um he's been played off as just some like b-list villain when um clearly in all aspects from when he was um repackaged for us in the new 52 pressing onward into the likes of like rebirth and even now um it's just given us so much respect for the Atlantean aspect of the DC universe. Uh, so much more than the guy who could just kind of stare at and smile at seahorses, and they magically know what he's thinking.
0: Yeah. From there, sorry, I dropped my notepad. I had to refine the right page. Be- gravity. Yeah, you know, uh, the thing in between him going full Ocean Master and him killing his mom is uh, we see that the Justice League does start to go underwater, a select team. Uh, There's that bug me here. And that Superman is talking underwater. He still needs air to breathe. Yeah.
1: So even if he's holding his breath with these somehow, like, quintillion times the normal amount of air capacity a human needs, then why is he just getting away scot-free with this sort of thing is, is it just like a golden boy thing or something like how is he not need to breathe underwater is this just magically part of his kryptonian like anatomy uh, i think i'd like to know an answer to that
0: that and how his sound waves are traveling under the water. Uh, we know Green Lantern's got his aura around him. That helps. Aquaman can be down there naturally. Uh, so just the inclusion of Superman on this team, uh, I I don't know. That didn't sit right with me on it. Uh, however, we do see that Superman is weak to mech as Ocean Master is able to use the Trident and take him down with ease.
1: Yeah, uh, Clark wasn't kidding when he said he hates magic. He really hates magic.
0: Uh, they're then put into little pods and fed to my fi- my favorite kind of rum, and that is, of course, the Kraken.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, they send them down to one at Gargantuan individual creature that they managed to uh, miraculously fight their way out of. Now, if they had held off on the introduction of uh, the trench creatures from uh, the movie and uh, put them in this various scenario, which is one of the relics they were looking for, was one to control the trench, um, they would have had uh, that amassed amount of darkness. Like, all that darkness isn't the depth, isn't any league of volume below the sea. It's all the trench, all these amassing, like, just evil shithead creatures underneath the sea. And it was just a mass of them. If you've read the comic, it's, uh, the number of them is uh, just indescribable. Um, but in the movie, yeah, we're given like one just monstrous creature. It uh, really helps to develop uh, the teamwork, um, both underwater above land, just uh, overall uh, cooperation with, uh, each of, with each other in the situ- situation. Pardon me. Wow.
0: Now, speaking of Kraken, we're of course going to take a quick sunset crit break. Uh, I'm going to have a quick drink and we'll be right back on the air. do you want your ad here contact at clownyj or mys1987 and dm them letting them know you want to advertise on the dc creature features all right and we are back and of course like that ad break said if you want to advertise with us just hit us up on twitter So from uh, we are now still uh, with Aquaman. The Justice League are about to be eaten by the Kraken when he discovers that he can talk to all sea life as he starts communicating with the giant monster not to eat his friend.
1: Isn't that just lovely?
0: From there, of course, he does free Superman. Superman uses that heat vision, rips off a few tendrils, and they're able to free the rest of the League.
1: Can you believe that? The crack in there, that guy, his name's Greg, he's great, he just wanted to borrow a cup of sugar. He wasn't going to eat them or anything. They just eviscerated him for nothing.
0: Wait, that was Greg? That was Greg.
1: That was Greg. Yeah, you know, Greg, the new guy, moved in next door at 20,000 least in
0: oh, my, Greg's a good guy, man. Like uh, We sat and chatted for a while the other day. Yeah. Well, now he's not juggling anymore. Sad. Just terrible. Now you in. From there, we do see that Orm is starting his attack on the surface world as a giant tidal wave is making its way towards Metropolis. Um, the first thing that I thought of was, well, they left the Flash and Shazam, who has the speed of Mercury, back at home. Um, if Flash alone can stop a tidal wave, I don't see why the two of them alone, why the two of them together couldn't do it.
1: I'm personally wondering which Looney Tunes song was going through Batman's head at the moment. Like, which orchestra of uh, sheer Acme hilarity was he hit with when he saw this visualization of the tidal wave coming on there? He's like, yeah, I can't do shit. Like, people are going to die. going to say Looney
0: Tunes? Yeah, let's not bring up Looney Tunes tonight. There's already been one heated debate about that in this household today. I'll tell you about that one later. So you're
1: saying a debate about Looney Tunes got Daffy?
0: It got bad, dude. Yeah, like yelling at the dinner table. <laughs> Yo, that's a shoot. That's a shoot, fud man.
1: Fun for the whole family. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're um, pretty taken back by this tidal wave uh, hitting them, and uh, they know from there that Atlantis is coming. Um, everything on the team's other end wasn't working out so well, of course. So it was pretty much them three against um, a good portion of 70% of the planet coming at them.
0: Now, of course, the tidal wave is just an empty threat as uh, Orm himself decides to part the seas like Moses to reveal the Atlantean army.
1: Now, that is actually a huge mercy from the Atlanteans because, uh, again, going back to the comic there, if you happen to... To see what he did with that tidal wave, like they, there were more people killed than there were saved, and it was just heartbreaking. Like for Metropolis and Gotham, it uh, makes it, I'm guessing, so much easier for villains to conquer territory without those additional bodies, without those uh, additional denizens, so to speak, uh, to really help uh, the economy or just the overall society, like uh,
0: circle uh we do get a nice little nod as we do get to meet general sam lane as he tries to negotiate with the atlanteans
1: yeah his um riveting speech saying stop it or we'll shoot really uh really spoke to orm i i'm thinking that you know he was just thrilled to just stop what he was doing just because he was told to
0: Now from there, a boom tube does open up, and we do see uh, Mara and forces coming through to the rescue. Did you notice the same audio clue that I picked up on? Same audio clue. Yeah, when Mara started using her powers, there was a little noise sound effect. It was the same one used in Super Friends when Aquaman was using powers.
1: I thought that was uh, just lovely. You know, that was always a that was always a fun way to interpret when the power was being used, and that was a lot of what I really enjoy about uh, the the Golden Age Aquaman, at least.
0: Uh, from there, we are seeing how things are impacting. We cut to a little construction site, and a supervisor yells for John Henry to get out of the way, but instead this man picks up a giant sledgehammer and starts fighting. Now, we know this man will turn out to one day be John Henry Irons, um, but I don't think he even shows up in the Superman movie, does he?
1: Um, if you if you did see any of the uh, Reign of the Superman movies, uh, starting with the, the Doomsday one that came out um, not too long before Apocalypse uh, War, um, progressing through there, he is in fact introduced as Steele and of course uh, as John Henry Irons, uh, working as um, uh, working well one of the staff members of um, Star Labs. I'm sorry, I can't remember his exact position at the moment. But uh, he is there in a white lab coat. He has that Superman shirt on. He's just marvelled um, to see anybody wearing a cape at that point.
0: So it's but, good
1: to yeah,
0: see a construction man to getting that uh, big time job with star labs.
1: Oh yeah. That was just, that had to have been absolutely astounding. He's like, it says here on your resume that your only experience is hitting a fish man with a hammer. Uh, yes, sir. He came right at me. and I'm like, Oh hell no. And I, uh, I struck him with a hammer. Well, well shit. We're just appointing you a scientific position. Go for it. And uh, that's how things work in Metropolis, apparently.
0: (laughs) We do get to once again see Lois Lane, this time with Jimmy Olsen, as they're taking photos of the battle.
1: Yes, how convenient for them to be in the most convenient spot for that kind of thing to be taking place, like dead center.
0: Um, uh, After that happens, they scare them off. I have to cut to this because I laughed too damn fucking hard. Uh, I'm going to say now, if I start cutting out, we just got a weather alert pop up for our region. So if I start cutting out or if the call drops, of course, we'll throw an ad or something funny in and we'll continue. Uh, however, I do have to point out the next thing on my notes is he pulled the ocean master is out there pulling a full fucking syndrome as he starts monologuing his plan. I laughed my ass off as a big Incredibles fan because the fact that he started monologuing and then, sir, you you probably had yourself a a mini happy time with your squealing face as we got a giant fucking shark.
1: We did, and I was very happy about that. And the whole... (laughs) premise of actually wanting to see Jason Lee do the, the, uh, the Black Mantle monologue there. It would uh, just be astounding. Um, I would certainly imagine that if he was on Cameo, I would see if he could do that.
0: Uh, from That's there, after absolutely. Arthur called apart the giant shark, uh, I oh, had yeah. another I couldn't stop laughing because the word he chose, of course, after he called upon this giant shark, because he smiled, and said so, <laughs> truly
1: truly outrageous I absolutely fantastic
0: right. oh my god okay. so did
1: I man my favorite Aquaman has to be the Brave and the Bold cartoon Aquaman he is both silly tremendous um, he's just a great inclusion to anything he's a part of uh, did you see the Scooby-Doo meets Batman Brave and the Bold
0: Yes. Uh, apparently, I have. Uh, we we all know the amount of weed that I smoke. So yeah,
1: you have seen
0: it. Well, grab yourself a fatter bag of whatever it
1: is you're smoking, sit down in front of that movie again, and just my God, it's we beautiful, lost. man. It's
0: man, I, I love anything Batman, Brave and the Bold. Uh, it is a great, uh, not too kiddy Like we're not bordering on superhero squad child introduction or superhero girls. Which is a great introduction for young viewers. However, Batman Brave and the Bold is just teetering on that edge where it appeals to both the younger and the older audience at the same time. Now, don't get me wrong. I fucking love Superhero Squad and some of the Easter egg and some of the Easter eggs that they threw into that for Marvel fans. But for me, I think comparison wise, I would probably pick the Batman Brave and the Bold yeah. series over it just because of the amount of e- fucking shit is on this show.
1: Okay. Absolutely. And we also get just the um, excellent narration and guidance from Batmite in that series, which really helps uh, cinch the whole fourth wall breaking, uh, just kind of knock down the callbacks and uh, the various um, humorous hijinks at that. It does also connect with the audience as well that, hey, there's an imp who just is really obsessed with Batman and he's hilarious because he's short and he sounds funny.
0: Not just that, but the fact that Batman's voice is done by one Diedrich Bader has to clinch that for me.
1: Diedrich Bader has been seen as one of the the coolest Batmans out there. Um, His rendition of the Batman, his uh, emotional attachment to the role itself uh, is nothing short of phenomenal, and uh, I really enjoy hearing him uh, as the voice of Batman again. Uh, when he came into DC's uh, animated recent uh, releases of uh, the Harley Quinn show, which have been just really great so far. I,
0: I haven't watched a single episode. I've only You're seen a few. I've only seen a few jokes here and there on Twitter. It's really hit or miss for me. I'm not a fan of the voice actress. I don't think she does the role justification. She doesn't even attempt to do the Brooklyn accent. Uh she, so- does.
1: she does. I will give it I will give it this. She does make those attempts, but only only as, you know, Mr. J's Harley Quinn. Aside from that, she just has like a normal thing going on. She's trying to break away from that whole being related to the Joker thing and doing her own bit there, which she makes a great ensemble with a bunch of like various obscure characters you wouldn't expect her to connect with, and there is a lot of attachment to actual, like, uh, either cinematic, animated cinematic, or alternative comic comic book-based references. Recent stories, uh, older tales, and just hilarious callbacks, and you get a lot of these in this series, Um, including Deidre Bader's performance as Batman. Um, Whoever thought that this was a great idea just really hit the really hit the head on the nail there
0: now the only thing that could actually put Diedrich bader's performance over even more so for me as batman is if they were to do a say red queen alice or mad hatter episode that at one point batman looks at the camera and says "Ooh, what a lovely tea party
1: That's so fair. I was, was, anyway, was letting my enjoy and it made me laugh and it, it put the fire out.
0: Now I want to do it
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is an absolutely excellent reference. I did not even bother to ever think of that connection. Uh, that is just a great callback to Jane and Bob Strikes Back. Oh fuck.
0: Like <laughs> Thank it. you, sir. This is good. I like it. Uh, from there we do get to see Orm fighting Shazam, and we see whose magic is actually stronger as Orm is able to call down the magical lightning, revealing Shazam's secret to the league, showing that he is just a 10-year-old Billy Batson. He's
1: always been a 10-year-old Absolutely. Billy. Batson. Have to, Billy Batson. He just had to say the word. None of them had to say the word. Orm just said no, no one even
0: said Shazam to bring that down. That is a great point yeah
1: with that kind of wielded power how much experience orm had regardless of what they put them in i will never judge his capability to take down an entire team of super powered heroes against himself alone at that point what a performance
0: uh from there we do see that little secret trying to be kept as cyborg is the first one on the scene to help him out Uh, However, Wonder Woman is second, so you do know that the League now knows his secret.
1: Yeah. Which um, really comes into effect a bit later on in the fight when they need it to. Uh,
0: From there, we call back to that cool 3D holographic forensic scene as Batman points out to Cyborg after reviving him. Hey, you witnessed Orm confess to the killing of his mother which means it's in your database, why not just play it for the army?
1: That was a stroke of absolute luck for Batman actually being able to tase Victor back into um, operations enough for him to be able to do that. Like, if he hadn't thought of doing that or something so simple would have worked, then, you know, it would have been all lost. And they probably would have actually lost to Ocean Master, which would have really been unfortunate for them. But... Thus, leading into a flashpoint world where they don't have to blow up existence in order for Atlantis to rule the world.
0: And because, you know, Victor was the one to get that great big blow at the end to the army. uh, We do have a great callback to justice league war as Shazam starts chanting victory, victory. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool that they, that they kept that going in the movie. Um, Aside from Shazam not being in the comic rendition of the team at that point in time, another person who wasn't there, speaking of Cyborg's uh, uh, personal callbacks, uh, Steril wasn't in the comic once. She was off doing another assignment of some sort. You know, she got Jane Foster for this
0: one. <laughs> uh, from there, we do see that the League has been invited to the crowning of the new King, in Atlantis, which of course does have a ten year old Shazam marking the fuck out.
1: Also, as well, um, from a ten year old aspect of hilarity, crowning is also a meaning for poo.
0: <laughs> Got that turtle head
1: poking out, do you, sir? <laughs> well, easy there. He's a turtle head, not turtle man. You
0: uh, from there, we do see that the league is discussing. Hey, maybe we should invite Arthur to join our la- our ranks, uh, but he needs a code name. Well, the internet is calling him Aquaman. And
1: I hate it.
0: Him. Well, Aquaman, it is.
1: <laughs> the appointing of that name was so regal, like Hello. so King of Atlantis.
0: Uh, of course, we do have to point out that throughout the film, uh, no one refers to Mara as Woman at all. Uh, it is not a joke that makes its way into this universe, but it is one that runs throughout the comics for a while.
1: In the movie. I'm just really hoping her file doesn't read her alias as, hey, you're Aquaman's sister or something, right? Ah! Uh... <laughs> Deserving of a code name. So uh, that would be, it would help make it a lot shorter and probably a lot more meaningful.
0: And that pretty much wraps up the movie until we get our post credit scene. Uh, did you stick around for this one?
1: I did, yeah. And it once again involves Orm as well, which is um, a really interesting uh, twist that they took uh, in the comic. Um, at the time, you wouldn't know who it was, he was just sitting there in a purple suit and, uh, you know, white gloves, and he had a coin about with him, and uh, he was talking about moving on to the next name, following up Orm, they were going to get in contact with uh, Scarecrow, but uh, as uh, Orm pleaded and begged to speak for his brother in both renditions, of course, um, we wind up seeing Orm come into contact with one less Luthor.
0: Now, what this leads to, what this implies, who the fuck cares? It's never addressed again.
1: No, which is absolutely ridiculous, because we could have actually had, like, um, a post-Justice League War um, version of uh, the Legion of Doom. We could have had the cinematic universe that we know right now, a Justice League Doom movie of that. I mean, sure, we wouldn't have Kevin Conroy as Batman, but... Given the job Jason uh, just has done as uh, The Dark Knight in uh, these cinematic renditions has been uh, nothing short of stupendous. Um, so seeing a group of villains like Ocean Master, Lex Luthor, um, Cheetah, Ares, somebody like that, uh, Sinestro, Gorilla Grodd, and you just got um, the secret society, I guess, uh, against the Justice League wouldn't be a bad turn to make, especially since you're already going to have Vandal Savage in there anyway. Um, You already have alternative names that you could uh, make into sheer consideration just out of past references as well. Clayface. Um, You could have people like friggin' uh, Element Woman, Um, anybody like that. Even the female Adam, she ends up being a traitor in the long run. So you can classify her as a wolf in sheep's clothing, I guess.
0: More or less. She's someone I thought they definitely would have introduced. That way we could have got a uh, Earth 3 movie where, you know, we, we see the Justice League versus the Crime Syndicate. I think that would have been a fantastic movie, especially since we got a tease of that. On the Justice League Crisis of Two Earths, I understand they may not have wanted to retread grounds that have been previously done. However, in this new universe that they were setting up, a Trinity War film could have been, a two-part film could have been fantastic. Uh, you know, you've introduced the Justice League Dark, which we'll get to in a couple films. If they would have thrown in a Justice League of America film and then created a Trinity War film?
1: That's what I'm saying. You know, that's what we need a Justice League of America cinematic for. Um, it's a good leeway into even including fights with the Suicide Squad as well, because they're going to need that gang of kamikaze missions to come in and just start doing their shit to eliminate all the heroes.
0: And you also would have introduced who is arguably now one of the most important Green Lanterns ever created, and that is one Jessica Cruz.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Definitely not Mogo.
0: No, no, definitely not Mogo, but Jessica Cruz has proved herself time and time and again that she's probably one of the most important Green Lanterns ever created, even recently in weekly books, proving to be a better tactician than Batman.
1: Yeah, she has a very Scott Summers-style approach to her uh, strategy, and it's a very nice touch for her. Um, Her... Uh, introduction and inclusion in the DC universe uh, along with Simon's even have been a pretty positive aspect on having multiple green lanterns infected to eight one four and still being able to enjoy the company of both Kyle Hainer and Guy Gardner.
0: Oh, I would love it. If they were to put out a Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, Funko two-pack, that would be a great item and they're just waiting (laughs) to print money with that one. Why they haven't done it, uh, I'll say is because of their Marvel bias for products, but they're waiting to print money with that one.
1: That's a good way to look into that. Yeah.
0: So from there, sir, where does throne of Atlantis sit overall under hierarchy of the films that we have watched thus far?
1: Um, Well, again, I've, I've read, the, I've read the story arc uh, numerous amount of times, uh, so this, um, this one certainly isn't one of, the, one of the better like top three or five ones, but it still is a fantastic movie to watch. It still is a fantastic reintroduction to the Golden Age character that we so fondly made fun of over the years. The man who talked to fish sticks now turns people into fish sticks with a giant golden fork. Um, He commands giant whales to eat, you know, giant demons out of the sky. Uh, There's no negative, regardless of how you look at it, for Arthur Curry after this presentation. Uh, So it is definitely a a well-spoken one of, um, in regards to just character familiarity and um, rebooted information, more or less.
0: You know, of the four that we've watched thus far, uh, this film gives us the most backstory on a new character, uh, the most reason why he's important it's the most streamlined of the new introduction films uh, it doesn't clutter itself up with a lot of bullshit and mess around it uh, I will say of the four films that we've watched thus far throne of atlantis is probably my favorite one
1: now perhaps even in a multi uh, like a, a variation of uh, the universe somewhere in the multiverse Arthur gets angry enough in his fight with Orm that he doesn't end up killing him. Arthur would then be, amongst his blood relatives, the only left uh, living child. But with both parents dead, that would make him an orphan. Unable to know what to do, or where to go, and certainly not taking control of the throne of uh, Atlantis. But even so, even if he had to for anything just out of bloodline, he would then be able to be adopted by Bruce Wayne. And then he could become just one of the fancier Robins. Unfortunately, he can't become the best Robin. You know why he can't become the best Robin, Jay?
0: And why is that, sir?
1: Because Damian Wayne is the best motherfucking Robin ever.
0: And we will see more about that as next week's film is actually Batman versus Robin.
1: That's going to be a fantastic touch on uh, that story arc there. Uh, as we're introduced to the Court of Owls in on this one, if I'm not mistaken. Also, as well, Very much so. we get fantastic. We also get introduced to uh, another. Uh, this kind of obscure name that you wouldn't really hear much of, but it's one of those considerable ones for a uh, secret society or an injustice league of sorts. Um, uh, I believe it was uh, Anton Schlock. Um, I believe he was one of the variations of doll man or toy man or something like that.
0: That's right. He is a version of toy man. And we will talk more about that next week on the episode, but until then, Mize, what are you reading this week?
1: I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. I recently uh picked up um the, the concluding partnership of uh, Greg Capullo uh and um, Scott Snyder, I believe his name sorry not Scott Snyder. Um the uh writer the writer that he's with, uh Greg Snyder, I believe it is. Greg uh, Capulo? Uh, Greg Capullo, yeah. Um well Capulo and Snyder, they have those names. Um uh, Well, their concluding story is uh, The Last Night on Earth, which is um, its own very surreal reality of what happens when everybody chooses doom over justice and calls to reason for insanity, control, and uh, just overall um, uh, destruction, really. Uh, aside from that i recently delved into uh the newer later rebirth um chapters of uh the red hood he's no longer red hood in the outlaws it's just red hood outlaw he's got a pretty new look the whole uh it kind he kind of looks like uh the arkham asylum games version of Anarchy. um uh, aside oh. from that yeah it's uh it's kind of a weird aspects, but it's um, more urban, more relatable. And uh, we happen to learn as well that just before that, in, or sorry, during this time, uh, in, in the chapters of Heroes in Crisis, unfortunately we lose Roy Harper. He was an outstanding, uh, front outstanding sidekick, but he had been delivered the news to by Bruce Wayne himself. Uh, letting them know that Roy Harper was killed in the rehab institution that he w- that he'd gone back to under the recommendation of Waylon Jones because of uh, Roy was falling off the wagon again and it wasn't going too well and he wanted control of it. So everything stretches from there. He looks to complete their mission onward. Also as well, um, I picked up Flash War and uh, the next couple of chapters after that. I'm going to be reading into it. I, I picked up a uh, good chunk of books this time around um i'm not sure what these flash stories are going to entail but i can't wait to see what the newer wave of uh, dc stuffs coming along there oh i know i picked up uh the tales from the dark multiverse um that was one primarily i wanted to connect you with uh, with you on about because the tales from the dark multiverse take iconic stories from dc's past and just mildly twist one form of detail that changes absolutely everything, regardless of whether it has the same outcome against uh, the protagonist or if it would go on as normal, whatever the case may be. Uh, so it proceeded on, and it turns out in The Blackest Night, when the a Green Lantern tale, um, Sinestro did not give the power of uh, the white avatar to Hal Jordan. He, uh, huh. in- yeah, he instead kept it insisting on his power, his greater connection to the spectrum. And oh boy, everybody died.
0: Well, that is what I'm looking forward to picking up. I know it's on uh, hardcover right now. Uh, I'm normally a softcover kind of guy.
1: This is a book you'd want as a hardcover because not only do uh, these tales include the variation, but... They were actually nice enough to also include um, their previous, uh, you know, the actual continuity of them. So we got the individual issues for each uh, of the past stories of what actually occurred. So in case people didn't go back or were reading since then, then they can actually connect with the tales that were bestowed on them in this book.
0: Well, that is definitely something I will be looking into then. Uh, Is there any other book recommendations that you have for the week? Uh, I know on single issues, they did release uh, the new Legion of Superheroes, which does finally introduce the Gold Lantern.
1: Which is just absolutely huge. Um, Because recently facing uh, the uh, the whole different... Uh, spectrum variation that Sinestro somehow managed to get control of the power of in uh, today's rendition of the Justice League. And he looked to use Jon Stewart to just like murder everybody. Uh, So going up to that point in time, if you haven't pick up the first few graphic novels of uh, the current Justice League run to find out more about Jon Stewart's connection with the newly uncontrollable spectrum, uh, variations of uh, different villain outlooks and who they're working with and how they're working against the Justice League and why Lex Luthor isn't working with the Justice League anymore. Um, So definitely that run is one to pick up for certain. Uh, Also as well, with Justice League Dark, they just started the Witching War. Uh, So if you haven't picked it up already to read beforehand, you can also pick up the Witching Hour, which uh, gives us a solid reason to why Wonder Woman has an inclusion with the Justice League Dark. Who are they going against? Are they siding with the uh, order or chaos? Um, what magical uh, artifacts we revisit? What familiar faces and new faces uh, that happen to come their way in the meantime? So definitely, um, I would uh, recommend like the Justice League titles at most. Um, but if you haven't read it yet, also as well, again, uh, Last Night on Earth, uh, Kapoor and Snyder, they're a fantastic duo. And uh, it's a hell of a story they've written up for us at this time.
0: Perfect. And have you picked up any new collectibles? Anything of note this week?
1: Uh, I picked up a Dr. Doom Funk Funko, Pop Funko. I think I mentioned that one last week, and I've just been doing like various hilarious things with them and then sending them to people. And that's what I do in my spare time because I'm...
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's kind of like the little one with her crocheted baby Yoda.
1: Absolutely. And I've got a plethora um, amount of uh, cards in the stead as well. So, I can keep myself going on that. You know, they come in different sizes now.
0: Now, with that in mind, sir, until next time, where can the people find you?
1: You can find me and my plethora of cards on Twitter at my1987. You can find me on uh, Instagram, excuse me, uh, at one man Life. um YouTube again, just my day for a duel. You can see the few videos I got and the few reviews that I got for them, which is just absolutely horrid. But that's where you find me. That's where I'm at. Feel free to hit me up and, you know, and say something and all that jazz. And uh, how about you? Where's everyone finding you at these days?
0: Well, of course, everyone can find me only on Twitter, at ClownyJ. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. But if you did want to get a hold of me through then, you could reach out to the little one and you can find her at
1: uh sick little one on instagram and i think just shauna mcneely on uh Facebook.
0: as well as six space hair on twitter
1: that's where you can find us at, guys you can also find us again next week where once again we go into the grandstanding fight between batman and and robin so batman Ruth's son is going to come out on top on that one
0: Batman versus Robin remember you can hit us up you can leave a message to be part of the conversation as well as you can just dm us your thoughts we'll read them here on the air until next time my friends I want to thank you for joining us and join us next week at the same pod time same pod channel